And now we know why. <laughs> it is overly sentimental. But it's, a, it's kind of a, a, a picture of what we're going to talk about today. You know, I really love, uh, I love letters. At the time this, this poem was wrote, written, letters were so important. People spent a good portion of their time writing letters because it was the communication. There were no telephone lines. There were no, um, there, there was no computers. There was no internet. There was no email. You wrote letters. And it took sometimes months for them to reach their destination depending on where you were writing to. And letters were a very important form of keeping uh, in contact with friends and family and business associates. So letters were of extreme importance. And um, I can remember as a child learning in uh, probably second or third grade how to compose a letter and how to do the, the salutation, how to do the body of the letter, how to do the greeting, how to... Um, Make sure the envelope was addressed correctly. What kind of a stamp to put on it. Where to put it. But things have changed, haven't they? No longer do we spend a lot of time writing letters. Has anybody written a letter recently? Oh, we have a couple hands. Yay. I love letters. I've kind of quit writing them, though. But uh, I do, this is what I do now. I have a friend who lives in Washington. Her name is Lisa. And I sit on my front porch and we Marco Polo. <laughs> I love it. I sit out there and I tell her everything that's happened in my week and what I'm going to do for the next week and uh, anything funny that's happened, anything that bugs me. And I just give it all to her and then she Marco Polos me back and she's usually talking like this. She says, I'm hiding. So I'm going to talk softly. I don't want anybody to know where I'm at because they'll just want me to cook something. So she talks to me like that. So, uh, but that's kind of taken the place of letters and even emails and texting. So I don't text to her very often anymore. We do Marco Polos. Anybody else do Marco Polo? It's fun, isn't it? You got to get used to looking at yourself in the, the little window, though. It's like, Ew. but you know, you get used to it. So anyway. Communication has changed, but there's something about letters. Uh, my mom had uh, a box of old letters, and when she passed away, I received that box, and inside this box, some of these letters dated back to the Civil War, and I was able to read some of them. Some of them were heartbreaking, and others were just kind of informative, and uh, these people would write to each other, and they would probably never see each other again because people didn't travel in those days like they do now. So the only thing they had were letters. And they clung to those letters and they saved them. And um, we clean out our email boxes. We delete everything. The only emails I get anymore are from um, businesses, people who want my business, basically, or, you know, things like that. And uh, I don't even get emails anymore. I just get texts. And I get uh, Marco Polo's. I love those Marco Polos. So we used to joke a little bit about uh, the, the abbreviated versions of, of texting, like LOL, and uh, ROTF, rolling on the floor laughing, um, BRB, be right back, and uh, POS, parent over shoulder, <laughs> and those kind of things. But we've kind of even gotten away from those, haven't we? Do you guys still use those? 
Some do, some don't. I have to, when I text, I have to spell the whole word out, and I have to get the punctuation right, make sure. And then I send it, and it's all wrong. Because <laughs> the autocorrect changes everything. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it's frustrating to me. But letter writing is a lost art. We don't do it anymore, and it's a sad thing. It's really sad, I think. But you know what? The original letter was God's letter to us. And um, this is what it kind of looks like. It's kind of a big one. And uh, they do come in smaller versions. You can carry it on your phone in many versions. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? I have a whole world of information on my phone. I can pack it around, and as long as it's charged up, I can access anything. I did some research this morning on what I'm going to tell you today from my phone, my easy chair. It used to be you had to go to the library and get books off the shelves and search, and it would take you hours, and now I just talk to, talk to Siri, and she tells me what I want to know. I and mean, we all know that anything that Siri tells you is the truth, right? So, yeah, see? So, we have a lot of information in very small containers these days. It's amazing. It's a miracle. Well, when God started communicating with people, he didn't have that. And I think there was a reason. I think he knew it was going to happen. Of course he knew. You know, he, he's God. But um, it started like this. Now the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and commandments which I have written for their instructions, there being the children of Israel. So God tells Moses, come on up here, because i got something I want you to tell the people, and so you don't forget it. We're going to write it down, and we're going to put it in stone. That is like big time. You are going to carry this stone around because these, these people aren't living in one place. They're traveling. Now, why do you suppose God would put something he wants the children of Israel to carry around with them wherever they go on stone tablets? Did you ever think about that? Well, this wasn't the Stone Age, if you are familiar with any of those terms. There were, there were things that were available to these people so they wouldn't have to carry stones around. Moses was believed to have lived anywhere from uh, 1592 to 1271 B.C. And papyrus was actually used as early as 4000 B.C. So there was papyrus available. And uh, this is what Wikipedia says. And again, we all know that Wikipedia is like the truth, right? Actually, you can't use it for a research paper because you can't, it's not, this, it's not as great as it sounds. But anyway, papyrus was light, strong, thin, durable, and easy to carry. And for thousands of years, there was nothing better for the purpose of writing. So, you have some choices. You have papyrus that you could like write real quick, roll it up, take it with you, put it in your backpack, and you're off. Or you can have stone tablets. And then you have to like lug them around, it's heavy, it's, you're, it's, the weather is hot, there's mountains to climb, do we really want to have this? But God had a reason for putting it in stone. There is a lesson to be learned there. 
God understands that we as humans, we need things that we can identify with. He needed that law that he wrote down on these stone tablets to be weighty. He needed them to be heavy. He needed them to be noticed and not forgotten. So every time they packed up the tabernacle to move it around, people would go, oh, we got to carry the tablets again. What was on the tablets, the Ten Commandments, and along with all this other stuff, was everything that they had to know about building up the tabernacle and taking care of it. There was so much information that God was going to give them. But what we're going to be concerned with today is the Ten Commandments. If you want to read all this, you can read about it in Exodus. And it's chapters uh, 25 through 31. It's pretty interesting. So, Moses and Joshua went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, or these tablets of stone with God's word for his people. This important, heavy, weighty word that God wanted them to know. And he tells Aaron, his second in command, I'm going to be gone. I'm coming back. Make sure the people don't mess up. Try to keep them under control. And that's why they called them the children of Israel, because they acted like kids a lot. And so... That's not really true. That's just my interpretation. But uh, so Moses and and Joshua go up the mountain, and they um, they and God comes to Moses, and He gives him all these things, and He gives him these tablets of stone. Moses cuts out the stone, and God Himself writes this letter with His finger on the stone, written in God's own hand, His own words. Can you believe that? No wonder he put him in stone. Because papyrus couldn't hold it. It probably would have burst into flames or something. Maybe. Could happen. So, anyway, they start back down the hill after they get all this stuff. And it's taken them 40 days, which is a long time. But when they get back, they start coming down the hill. And they hear this noise. It's just a ruckus. And, uh, and so Joshua's like, uh, Moses, is that the sound of war? And they're listening, and the sound's just coming right up the mountainside, and they keep going. And Moses goes, nope, that is not the sound of war. And I think he kind of hoped it was, but it wasn't. And he got down there, and there was just this big party going on. And it wasn't just a a celebration. It was a heathenistic party. They were worshiping golden idols. And, of course, Aaron had some excuses that he made. And uh, Moses took those tablets that God had made from his own hand and threw them in anger on the ground at the base of the mountain, and they shattered, representing the broken covenant. The people of God had broken the covenant before they even had a chance to hear the word of God. Wouldn't you think that God would just like wipe them out and start over again? But the mercies of God are new every morning. And so Moses, after a time, tracks back up the mountain, and this time he writes the tablets. And he brings them back down. The Ten Commandments. Paul says, of the, of the law, the Ten Commandments, the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently on the face of Moses because the glory of his face was fading as it was. 
Paul called these, these tablets of stone, stones of death, engravings of death. But he also said that they were the glory of God. And as Moses wrote those down, the glory of God, the word of God came to him and it caused him to glow with the glory of God as well. But they were still the words of death engraved on a stone. The Ten Commandments were glorious. The words themselves. There are... um, what we could live by those Ten Commandments, and if everybody would do what they said, the world would be a perfect place. But we can't do that because we're human, of course. And so the letter of death was written on those stone tablets. But it was more than that. God told the people, told Jeremiah to tell the people. The sin of Judah is written down with an iron stylus with a diamond point. It is engraved upon the tablet of their hearts. Their hearts were so hard, the children of Israel, the people, the promised people, the the ones that God had called his own, their hearts were so hard that they had to be chiseled at with an iron pen with a nib that was diamond. That's pretty hard. They didn't have a heart for God. Their hearts of stone were hard and cold, not pliable, harder than the table that he wrote the Ten Commandments on. Now, I have a whole set of uh, fountain pens. I like to collect them, and I like to write with them. And uh, I write in my journals, and I have blots all over my journals. I just... I make big messes because I love fountain pens, but I'm not very good at them. But I, I have glass ones. I have one that Tom made for me, and the case is wooden. I have uh, some that are made out of mother of pearl. I have antique. I have new. I have this whole set. But I'll tell you, I don't have one made of iron with a diamond tip. <laughs> don't have that yet. But evidently God did, and he found out it didn't even crack the hearts of the children of Israel. That's a pretty hard heart. I have a clip for you today, and Noah's going to put it up for me. It's from one of my favorite uh, movies in the whole world, and uh, it's the Christmas Carol, and it's the George C. Scott one, and I don't know, is Adam here today? I won't see him, but I wore my video out, my CD out, and one year I was trying to show it to the adults, and it wouldn't play, and because it, it was all just... I'd played it so many times, and it was all scratched up. So the next week, Adam brought me a new one. And I love Adam for that, because it is my most favorite movie. But I just have a little clip that I would like for you to see. What is this? I thought we had agreed that you would transport me home. Something informs me that the moment of our parting is at hand. I know it, but I know not how. Tell me, what man was that whom we saw lying dead?
knows where I've drawn near to that stone. Answer me this. Are the things you have shown me the shadows of the things that will be? Are they the shadows of the things that may be only? change these things by an altered life. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Tell me. <laughs> Tell me that I may sponge away the writing of the That scene is called A Change of Heart. I love that. Scrooge could not wipe away his name from the gravestone that was there, indicating that his life had been wasted by his avarice and his greed. The Ten Commandments kind of represent that gravestone. So Paul says... What shall we say then? Is lost sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law, for I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. That's from Romans chapter 7, verse 7. The law is the letter of death, just like that his name, Scrooge's name on the tombstone. But it is not sin. It's not bad. The Ten Commandments, or the laws of God, are not bad because they show us our sin. When, um, when Christmas time, we were doing a play here at the church. It was, um, actually it was the Christmas Carol according to, I forget who it was. Um, but it was a Christian version of a Christmas Carol. I was Mrs. Cratchit. And TJ at that time, he, it was his birthday actually. He was turning seven and he was Tiny Tim. And he was a very robust Tiny Tim, I'll tell you. He was pretty healthy. He didn't look very sick at all. <laughs> but um, we were in that play and we, were, we did two, two uh, programs that morning. And I knew Tom had been sick. 
had been sick all week. And I kept saying, you need to go to the doctor. Because I didn't want him sick at Christmas time. And he kept saying, I'm fine. I'll get over it. Cough, 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 cough. And I'd say, you really need to go to the doctor. Every day I'd say, you need to go to the doctor. You need to get taken care of. I'm fine. I'm fine. So we were back there in this back room waiting for our scene. And uh, someone came and said, we've just taken Tom to the doctor, to the hospital. He can't breathe. And uh, so I, I played my little role, and I took off for the hospital. And uh, he was in the emergency room, and they were very quickly getting him on oxygen and getting him some IV treatments and, and everything. And the only thing I could think of was, I told you so. <laughs> I told you to go to the doctor. And now it's TJ's birthday, and another family is taking him home to celebrate his birthday, and I'm stuck here with you, you stubborn old guy. <laughs> And I sat on the chair next to his bed, and I burst into tears. And that sweetener, she came in, and she goes, oh, honey, he's going to be just fine. And I looked at her, and I thought, you don't even know. (laughs) He may die today. (laughs) But it was his own stubbornness that sent him there. His unwillingness to be diagnosed. Disease undiagnosed is deadly. If you have a twinge or a pain and you're concerned about it and you worry about it and you don't want to go to the doctor because you're afraid of what it's going to show you, have you ever looked on the internet? Looked up your symptoms on the internet? Come on, you have. I know it. I've done it. You've done it. You know it. And, but we don't want to know. We don't want to see our diseases because it scares us. It frightens us because we know that they could possibly lead to death. And if you look on the internet, you're sure it's going to lead to death. And then you go to the doctor and they go, you're going to be fine, honey. But if we don't look at the law that diagnoses our sin, our sin illness, then we're going to die in our sins. We forfeit the remedy when we don't look at the diagnosis. We know the symptoms, we know something isn't right, but we are afraid or too stubborn to look at the disease And if we aren't diagnosed, we die. We don't want to know what the diagnosis is because we're afraid of what the remedy might be. It might ask us to give up carbs. I don't want to give up carbs. So, yeah, I've been looking at that lately. And we don't want to, to exercise. We don't want to have that surgery. We don't want to do the chemo. We don't want to do those things because it's so difficult. But if we don't look at the disease and accept the remedy, we will die. And it's the same way with our sin. If we don't look at our sin and admit it and re- and and take our um, and and take lost the word I wanted. If we don't acknowledge it and then look at the remedy. Find out what the remedy is, receive that remedy, then we will die in our sin. Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians 3 5, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. Not the letter, but the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 
the letter shows us where our sin is, where the cancer is located, and the Spirit helps us to root it out and gives us new life. That is the new covenant. At, at, the coming of the, at the coming of the new covenant, the law becomes not just words and letters engraved on stone. It becomes flesh and blood, pliable and living. The ten written on the stone becomes two written on the heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That's the Ten Commandments. Can we do that? Two, that's all we have to remember. And all the other Ten Commandments hinge on those two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. That's where life is. The law is no longer death, but life. No longer the the diagnosis, but the remedy. And this is the remedy. He made him who knew no sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus is the remedy for our disease. But if the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because the glory of his face, fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? If Moses, receiving the Ten Commandments, written in the stone that that diagnoses us, if he was shining with the glory of God when he received that, how much more will we shine with the glory of God when we receive that law written on our hearts? Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. How much more will that glory of God shine through us? For if the ministry of condemnation, and that would be the law written on the stone, has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness, the new covenant, abound in glory. And that's in 2 Corinthians 3.7. We trade that heavy block of stone for the living, breathing covenant of life written on our hearts. No longer are we bent under the load of that stone written and carved with the Ten Commandments. We stand up straight and we have it written on our hearts. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God. He won't be the law keeper or the police officer anymore. And they shall be my people. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Their names will be sponged off the rock, off the stone of death. Someone once said, You're the only Jesus some will ever see. And you're the only words of life some will ever read. We, you, are a letter. For God said, light shall shine out of darkness, and that's a reference to creation. The God who created the light to shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. 
But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In ourselves, we're the earthen vessels. We perfect? Not hardly. Are we cracked? Yeah. We're kind of cracked pots, aren't we? We have our flaws. But you know what? The glory of God can shine through those cracks. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. So we can't claim any of that light that shines from us as our own. It's the power of God in us. The letter within us. We have received the letter and the remedy. We must share the love letter of Jesus with those who need to be sponged, whose names need to be sponged off the stone of death. When we receive that diagnosis, and then we receive the remedy, and then we have that life that comes up in us and shines out through our cracks and over the top, and we become part of that light of the world then we need to make sure that those who are dying in sin and don't even know it are diagnosed and receive the remedy. We become that letter that tells them. And the Holy Spirit, that's the stamp on our foreheads. That gives us the authority to go where we need to go. And if we don't have that stamp of the Holy Spirit on us, I don't know, we might get returned. Who knows? So is it an easy thing to be a letter? Bearing the love of Jesus to others? Sometimes it doesn't look like love. Because the, looking at the diagnosis and receiving that, uh, that bad news, you're dying. <laughs> You've got some bad spots. You need to get those taken care of. The good news is the remedy. It's already been taken care of. It's free. Jesus will heal you. Paul says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I love this, I believed, Therefore I spoke. We also believe. Therefore we speak. Do you believe? Have you been, been diagnosed and have you received the remedy? Then be a letter and speak it out to those who don't know. Or maybe some of those who have forgotten. For all things are for your sake, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. That's from 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9. through 9. So, little letters, go and spread good news. Just watch out for traffic, okay? <laughs> Before we go, I'd like to just, I'd just like to uh, pray for you. And, um... Zach is going to come up and, and lead one more song in, in uh, worship. And then um, I'm always available to pray with you if you have something you would like to pray with. Maybe you haven't received the remedy. Maybe you have realized your, your, your disease of sin and you need, you've seen the diagnosis, but you need the remedy. You know what? It's available today. I'd be happy to pray with you about that. So let's pray. Father, we are so thankful 
that uh, you were you cared about us so much that you wrote the Ten Commandments on stone and gave it to Moses, and they carried it all through the wilderness, and that we felt the weightiness of it, that the Holy Spirit showed us our diagnosis, our sin cancers, but Jesus created the remedy when he died on the cross. And Lord, we receive that remedy. We want you to heal those sin diseases in our hearts. We want you to uh, cleanse us, to make us truly yours. And then we want to be your letters. Yes, in earthen vessels that are not perfect, but your glory shines through us. So Lord, we ask today that you will help us as we uh, leave this place today, that we will carry your glory, that we will show people that the light will, will reveal their, uh, their sin sickness and that we'll be able to lead them to the remedy. Lord, we thank you for uh, this um, time together. We thank you for your love and care. And uh, we just want to worship you. And so we're all going to lift our voices in praise to you, Lord, because you care for us. And we love you so much more than we could ever say.